Hello, and welcome to the Og Blog Podcast, which may not be everybody's favorite podcast specializing in books about peanuts and the works of Charles M. Schultz, but I'm pretty sure it's nobody's second favorite. We've got a good show for you today, and obviously I'm saying that predictively as I've only just started recording it, and heaven only knows where it will go. But the odds are good that it'll be good because we have as a guest for today's program William Johnson, who has an upcoming book, no, no, books, chronicling hundreds of statues of the Peanuts gang. Good day, William. How are you doing, Nat? Thank you for having me. Uh, absolutely glad to have you here. Now, for those who aren't familiar with it, could you tell us about the Peanuts on Parade program? Well, that's actually a, a, a very long story, but I'll try to keep it a little short and sweet for you. Uh, basically, Peanuts on Parade was not only the biggest tribute to Charles Schultz, but it was the largest and longest-running citywide art project of its kind in the world. Uh, it was hosted by St. Paul, Minnesota, where Schultz grew up, and then moved to Santa Rosa, where he eventually lived. And uh, in the end, there were over 5 million fans that represented all 50 states and over 60 different countries, and they went searching for about 800 unique and individually designed five-foot statues of the Peanuts gang. And each year featured a different character. And each year had about 100 statues, uh, give or take, that they focused on and, and decorated each year. Wow, that's a, that's a lot. That's a lot of art happening. <laughs> yeah. How did you become interested in this particular art program? Well, it was a combination of uh, living just outside of St. Paul most of my life, and so that's where it all started. But then I was also an amateur photographer, and being a lifelong Peanuts fan, put all three things together, and I was just one of those people that went out on the scavenger hunt every year. Every year they put together a, a full-size map of the city, both uh, for downtown and the outskirts, and it labeled where all the statues were. So it made it fairly easy to go on the scavenger hunts. Um, each statue is individually named, and the pertinent information from the artist's name, the sponsor, the location, all that kind of stuff, was very readily available. So it all got started with, like I said, just people going on the scavenger hunts, and uh, and I was one of them. As it all wrapped up, I found myself, you know, always wanting that desire and, and wanting to get out there each and every year to make sure I got pictures of all, all the statues. Well, that's a, that's a good thing. That's a dedication. I like dedication. That's that's good. Now, you've been a lifelong Peanuts fan. Do you remember how it began? How you, how you got into it? <laughs> My my first recollection is a story that my mom actually told me was uh, I, I never liked to read. Great thing to hear from an author, but I never liked to hear. I never really liked to read. And when I was young, I must have always focused on the comics and particular peanuts. And uh, the only way that she could really get me to read is by buying me peanuts books. So I just amassed a little collection of those growing up, and it, it's been with me ever since. Wow, sounds good. Yeah, Peanuts does sort of get under one's skin, and, and you found a good way to be extra interested in it. Now, out of these, the 800 statues over, what was it nine, nine, five years in St. Paul and four years in Santa Rosa? So That's correct. Any particular favorites? Or are they, are they all like, you have to love them all and their differences? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all like my little kids. Um, no, I, it, you know, I, there's there's always kind of those favorites that kind of stand out because because I got to know the stories behind all of the all the statues. You know that every piece of art always tells a story. There's always meaning behind every little thing that's in that's 
that's in art. And um, there's a lot of them that really have great stories. And when you put that together with the image of the painting, it really makes it pop and, and, and stand out. And there, there's so many different stories behind them. But on the surface, uh, every year they always did a classic. So like I say, each year they focused on a different uh, character. And so each year they, they did a classic Snoopy, a classic Charlie Brown, a classic Lucy. And it really wasn't decorated or painted in any other way other than the very traditional look of that character. And so being a traditionalist myself, I guess the, on the surface, those are always my favorites. I can understand that. Although some of the things people, some of those things, for people who haven't seen them, they got really far from their underlying base. They would be totally, you know, Snoopy would be totally painted as a globe or something and, or, or covered with stars. And, and some of these statues were, were hosted by different businesses that would, convert the character into working for their business so there's a, a pretty broad range of materials out there that's that's true that the organizers were very careful to make sure that they weren't very commercialized they didn't you know they weren't uh directly related to the sponsors but a lot of them got very very close <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah well which was actually fun because you got to see snoopy in various fields of business you know, you got to you got to see a little baseball, a little a little architecture, a little whatever. So it, it led to a, a certain a certain variety. But some of them are just pure out bizarre art pieces, and and that's, exactly. that's fun too. Now, tell me about the books that you're doing. It's it's basically an all encompassing thing. I I I was fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time, and get to know some of the right people when. Things wrapped up in St. Paul in 2004. I, I, met, I met Jeannie Schultz for the first time and uh, offered to supply photographs of all the statues if they didn't have any. And I guess I kind of assumed that she would say that they had them, but she was very receptive and, and uh, grateful that I'd made that offer. And so I decided that I wanted to do something a little bit more than just the pictures uh, and I wanted to give them something that they could really be proud of and put in their history in their archive department. So I made a couple phone calls, and one thing led to another. And before I knew it, I had spreadsheets of emails and phone numbers of all of the artists and sponsors. Ooh. So I went, yeah, it was, it was probably five, six, seven hundred people. And I just started going down the list one at a time and making a phone call to every single one of them to get the story behind the art. That's what really what it evolved to, and it kind of became the rest of the story, if you will, you know, and getting that story behind the art. Because a lot, there's so many times where you could see the image, you could see the, the statue, you could know the name of it, but really, you know, sometimes you could make the connection pretty easily, and other times it was very difficult. And so it really took the words from the artists or the sponsor to really give full perspective of what that statue and what that piece of art meant. And so when uh, that was wrapped up, I, I brought it out to the Schultz Museum in Santa Rosa and volunteered to continue the project out there. And, and so every year I made a couple trips to Santa Rosa and got pictures and talked to the artists and sponsors again. And every year I just kind of kept building on that collection. And uh, for several years they actually took photographs or they made photocopies of all of the photo albums that I was giving them with all the information and putting photocopies out for public display. 
And so then visitors to the museum could also go through those and, and, and see not only what we did here in St. Paul, but what was going on in Santa Rosa as well. Cool. Um, yeah, now there, there were available at, at times during the events these these booklets that uh, had pictures of most or all of the of the statues for that year, but those are hard to come by uh, for most of the years, uh, if one can find them at all. Uh, so it's going to be good to have this collection of nice at a nice size uh, that, that covers all of them. Uh, that would be great. And, and you're doing it as two separate books, right? That's right. There's uh, volume one covers all the statues in St. Paul, and volume two will cover all the statues in Santa Rosa. And I'm glad you brought those other books up too, because uh, St. Paul did the same thing, but it was pretty much just the images and the names of the statues and artists and sponsor. Yeah. Uh, Santa Rosa. Santa Rosa did a little bit better job where they actually took you know two, one, two, three, four uh, sentences from the artist to kind of describe the statue, but. I always wanted to dig a little bit deeper and get some of those really cool nuggets that aren't necessarily something that people would normally hear or think of when they saw the statue or, you know, knew about it at all. You know, there were, there was, there were times where, where an artist might uh, put a note, a personal note inside the statue and they kind of hide it away. And, and it was just kind of their little secret. And so those were the types of things that I always wanted to dig out and, and, and put in the information that I gathered. Is there any good example you can give us, any, any good little story that, that came up for one of the statues? Well, like I said, with the notes, um, there was one from 2001. 2001 in St. Paul focused on Charlie Brown. And so there was one where the artist created Charlie Brown as the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz. And uh, the name of it was If I Only Had a Little Less Heart. <laughs> and knowing Charlie Brown, of course, you know, that's, that's just him. I mean, he's, he's, he's full of love and, and all that. So he, uh, that was a perfect name for it. But then she put a little personal note inside that statue that said, may you rust in peace. So it was just one of those little things that you just kind of, you know, nobody would ever know that. Nobody would, until that statue was completely destroyed or something, it would never be found. But it's there. Oh, that's lovely. That's lovely. Now, You've got some big celebrity names involved. You've got Snoopy, you got Lucy, you got Charlie Brown. You got any other types of celebrities involved in this effort? In, in uh, 2002, actually, they, um, St. Paul created a celebrity series. And so uh, uh, Olympic gold medalist Peggy Fleming created a statue, uh, Polar Explorer and Bancroft, Twins player uh, Tori Hunter. So there, there's, there's been, you know, of course, and then each year there was, uh, you know, members of the Schultz family that contributed uh, Tom Everhart did a statue each year, um, so that there's there's uh, um, quite a few st- quite a few celebrities that were involved in it too, and they, they've also given me a lot of information. Uh, a couple more are, are National Baseball Fame, Hall of Fame members, Paul Molitor and Dave Winfield, uh, both had statues dedicated to them, and Dave Winfield actually still owns his, and it's out in his backyard in California by his pool. Cool. Um, yeah, so and he, he's actually very, very, very proud of that statue, too. So, yeah, there's definitely been a lot of uh, celebrities, probably one that may maybe not known by name, but Mary Grand Prix, she is best known for her illustrations as the cover artist and chapter artist in the Harry Potter books. Yeah, uh, the, 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 the original American edition, the, the first one of American editions, yes. Uh, and yeah, fact, her yeah. interior work is still on, I think. The, even the newer editions, they just changed the cover since then. But, yeah, she does lovely work. Yeah, so she actually created a statue in, in uh, 2002 as well. Uh, it was called Some Enchanted Lucy. 
and uh, hers has kind of a uh, enchanted forest look all over, painted all over Lucy, and she's almost like like she's looking through a wall into this enchanted forest. It's really kind of a cool design. Well, I had not known she was involved. Well, when I get my books, I'm going to have to take a careful look at that one. Now, you're crowdfunding this through Kickstarter so that you know people can pre-order the books and help ensure that they get made. Uh, can you tell us about how much they have to pledge to, to get the books? There's lots of different uh, levels that, that people can pledge, um, all the way down to uh, low $5.00. All the way up to uh, you know a couple hundred if you want a bigger and better package and more books. But probably the two that most people are going to focus on is uh, one that I call the Lucy, and that's for fifty dollars, and that'll get you one signed copy of the book of your choice. So if you can choose either St. Paul or Santa Rosa, and then uh, the next level up is for ninety dollars. I call that the Linus, and that will get you both books, volumes one and number two. And each level also includes the rewards from the lower levels as well. So the the rewards from the lower levels will always carry over into the higher levels. So then there's other things that, you know, people can get right away, Uh, things that I can send them at every level that I can just send them by email. And uh, they can get anything from the artist templates uh, that artists actually drew their renderings on to submit to, you know, for approval. So like the blank uh, renderings or the blank templates of those, all the way up to bookmarks or you know just all kinds of different things like that that that, that they can get right away and uh, sneak peeks into the book, uh, the intro, things like that. So there's there's uh, lots of things that you can get right away, and then other things that you'll have to wait for the book to come out. Well, well, that's that. That sounds good. I know there's going to be a couple of people in my audience who are going ninety dollars for two books that I don't even get right away. But you got to remember that when you, you back something like this, you're not just buying books. You're a patron. You're an arts patron. You're helping see these books get created. You're doing some good out in the world. But you know what, my Og Blog podcast listeners, they're special. They are lovely people. They are. Smart people, they are the sexiest people around. I continue to believe that. It's very easy to believe when you're on this end of the microphone. I think they deserve something special. Can we give them something special? Sure. Um, Yeah, I'll tell you what. Anybody that uh, signs up and pledges the $90 to get both books, I will send all of your listeners, and I can do this immediately after after the campaign is done, and I've reached my goal, and I'll send them the introduction to 2000. Every, every year I created a uh, introduction that encompasses everything that happened that year, everything from why that statue was created, you know, what, or why they chose that character to the auction results. And uh, 2000 is actually the biggest introduction because it explains everything all the way from the meetings in the mayor's office when they first wanted to do a tribute all the way to the final auction results. And so it's, a, it's, it's, it's quite a long introduction, and it really encompasses a lot of the things on how the whole project got started to begin with. And I'll send that to every, uh, everyone who identifies themselves as an Ogblog podcast listener or, or reader, and uh, they can have that intro, and I can send that to them by the end of April. That's great. That's great. Well, there's only um... – uh, by the time this this hits the I don't know what the whatever the podcast equivalent of the airwaves is the internet waves, uh, there'll be a little less than a month left to go in your fundraising effort. 
people want to find it, there will be a link on the blog entry for this podcast, taking you right to its Kickstarter page. Or you just go to kickstarter.com and type in Peanuts on Parade into the search field, and it'll find that right page for you. And I do hope people will, will consider backing this. Uh, now, I'm a lousy interviewer. Is there anything that I should have asked you that I forgot to? Well, if people want to take a look at some of the samples, there is, it's a, the complete story. All the information is there with the image of a statue from every single year. So my website is peanutsonparadebook.com, and hit the samples tab, and there's a sample from every single year. It gives you uh, the image of the statue, the complete story, and then how many statues were available from that year. So that will give them at least a little bit of a taste of what they can find in the books. And I assume that website has a link to the Kickstarter page. I should just send people there to peanutsonparadebook.com, right? Uh, either way, they'll, they'll, both, they'll both have uh, links to each other, so it, it'll all work. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. All right. Well, this has been a very nice conversation. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, that's it for the now. Do stop by the AUG blog at blog.aauGH.com. If you find the blog entry for this episode, there's links to William's website for the book and to the Kickstarter campaign. And do come on by for the next episode in two weeks when I'll have... Well, I think I know what I'll have. But I have two weeks to change my mind. Until next time, may all your puppies be warm, may all your grocery clerks be world famous, and may all your griefs be good ones. <laughs>